Hello and welcome to Onesies, a podcast discussing one season wonders and not so wonderful TV shows. My name's Andrew. My name's Emily. And we are discussing episodes four through six of 1989's Free Spirit, an ABC sitcom starring Corinne Borer, Frank Luz, Alison Hannigan. Perfect. Um, what, what's the kid's name? Like Egon Miller or something? Uh, uh, it's Eden, Eden Gross. Eden Gross. Okay. Um, and Paul Scher. Don't forget Paul. And Paul Scher. Yes, don't forget Paul the pig. Um, sorry, no, wait. No, just his character, as it's far just, as we know. Just his character. So, yes, we're going to be um, jumping in on the next four episodes, uh, or three episodes. And... Um, I expect some spirited discussion. Some free-spirited discussion, huh? Free-spirited discussion. Starting with episode four, which is... Episode four, I have wrote down Love Zap, but apparently the actual title of it is Too Much of a Good Thing. Uh, older brother Rob, Paul Scher, is infatuated with a girl whose name I don't remember right now. And Winnie puts a love spell on her to soften the rejection, apparently. But she gets, uh, it goes wrong when she gets distracted by uh, a young man trying to remember his locker combination. And the spell stays for too long, which leaves her annoyingly in love with Rob to the annoyance of everyone. And puts the high school's big football game in jeopardy. So, Andrew, what are your thoughts? Well, let's... um, uh, So we're going to stick to the three introduction, or three items that we're going to work through. We we each bring three points and work through the six. Uh, So I will start very... um, I won't address the main main thing, but I will. We're going to have to talk about the guest stars because the team, the high school is populated with some guest stars of note. So that's one thing. Uh, another thing to talk about is um, it's kind of hard because all I've got on here is things like oh wait no there's a fat joke there's that. I can't forget the fat joke. Mullets are sort of in with guest stars, but um, I don't know. We're getting into where all my notes just say brainwashing is good. So um, So I had a couple notes, too. Wait, hold on. My other one's going to be wrist strength. Wrist strength. Oh, I missed that. Great. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have a tender, not tender moment that I'd like to discuss because it comes into play when Rob is making his move. Um, Some antiquated phrases that they use. Well, one in particular that I think is great. And um, I have a great story about one of the guest stars that maybe isn't as special as the ones that that you're mentioning. Um, The ex-boyfriend of said uh, female guest star who I I guess I should figure out what her name is. So those are my three. Um, 
So, uh, like I said, Rob has a crush on a girl and apparently she spit on him the first time that he, that he tried to ask her out. Uh, I, that I is what they say. Yes. I don't, I don't know why you would want to continue down that road, but you know, I don't, I've never been a 16 year old boy, so I, I can't explain these things. Um, you've also never been a 22 year old actor playing a 16 year old boy. <laughs> Good point. Um, So obviously the main theme of this, putting a love spell on someone is gross. It's gross. It's a little rapey and gross. It's a lot rapey and gross. Um, But technically in Winnie's defense, I'm going to defend Winnie. She really is only trying to soften the blow of, of rejection. She doesn't mean for it to last so long and for it to have the consequences that it does she said uh i don't have the direct quote but she said says something like i'm just going to make this hurt a little bit less when she says no um so guests go on to the guest stars because you see them right straight away and then like so well the one that excited me the most actually turned out to be the black kid because it's alex desert yeah who um of course was on uh becker i think the longest as a regular but the day before, after we watch, I watched this, uh, we we were going through Reno 911, and he's on one of those playing oh, nice. straight man. Yeah, nice. So that was cool. But he, of course, was also on the Flash the next year as a regular, and she guest starred. I don't remember if they have any scenes together. They probably don't because he was the lab tech, and it was you know he didn't get to interact with the supervillains. But that was interesting that they got they were on the show together. But then I also noticed um, the other guy who plays Chris, his name's Michael Stoyanov. He's on Blossom. He's the older brother on Blossom, yeah. The older brother on Blossom was on it. He also was in The Dark Knight. I was not aware of that. I didn't but, know that um, Yeah. Um, but yeah, so he was on it. So I was like, oh, this is really recognizable people. And then... <laughs> The ultimate and the the major the, mullet moment. The made the most incredible mullet of the show, possibly ever. Like it goes halfway down his back. Is Seth Green? Yeah, and he's the one who screws up the the uh, spell because he's trying to get into his locker and he doesn't know which locker is his. So or that's the punchline: is he screws up the spell and he was at the long bleh, wrong locker the entire time. So, yeah, I thought that the the high school guest star, like supporting supporting cast was really interesting um, to see these guys right before they became regulars on something else. And then the main guest stars, on the other hand, you know, one of them, but the girl went on to Days of Our Lives um, and maybe I saw her on Days of Our Lives. Lives that would have been the era that my mom watched it in '91. Yeah, so yeah I never maybe, saw it. She's not have a very big filmography, actually. She only did this. She guest starred on Growing Pains and Sister Kate, opposite Stephanie Beecham. That name and sounds then, familiar, but I don't yeah. recognize it. And then the Days of Our Lives, but. um I mean, she wasn't very good. It was a shit, it's a shit part. You know, she's playing the, 
brainwashed bimbo. But you know, the other guy, though, the football player, um, he he was good in his sincere scene. I thought. Yeah, I mean, he's playing a big dumb jock, a stereotypical high school big dumb jock, um, and he. Uh, again, he looks like he's about 30, but he's only 19. I think I, I looked up his a little bit. Um, but, uh, one of my favorite mm. scenes was at the beginning, uh, when Winnie shows up at the school and she's in a little cheerleader costume and you don't know that it's her and, uh, the, um, Blossom, the older brother from Blossom asks her, uh, if she wants to play tonsil hockey, and I found that oh, yeah. hilarious because I don't think any teenager has ever actually like uttered that phrase in a way that's not humorous. Um, so I thought that was really funny. That was my one sort of antiquated thing. I wish I could integrate that into my regular everyday vocabulary more, but I don't have that opportunity very often. You um, see some teenagers and you just yell, hey, stop playing tonsil hockey. Oh man. No tonsil hockey in here. Oh man. You play that tonsil hockey elsewhere. I I if I ever see any teens playing tonsil hockey, I will do that. Um good. For sure. It's about the only thing in this episode that you could say uh it's the least problematic thing you could say to Yeah. So I'm also very confused because there's this very um well dad tries to get it to be a uh a tender moment between him and Rob, but Rob's like, listen, I don't, I don't want to have this tender moment. I just want money so I can get a limo to impress this girl. And instead dad is like, I'm listen, if, if she's the type of girl who you need a limo to impress, maybe you should reconsider this. So I don't understand why he's trying to impress her. I don't understand why he's in love with her after, even after having met her. Um, so dad's uh, advice to him is to just be honest just be honest. And in my heart, in my head, I'm like, I, I don't understand what that means, but Hey, it's a sitcom. Let's find out. And in the scene where he's walking up to her and he's nervously trying to ask her out on a date, not realizing again, not realizing that she's had a love spell put on her. He just starts listing a bunch of his faults as if that's the thing that's going to attract her to him is that he recognizes that he has faults. I don't understand it. I didn't understand it. And then Winnie is like, oh, well, I want him to think that his dad's advice worked. And I was like, what advice? He was just shitting on himself. I don't know. I thought that was weird. I didn't like that. That's that's how you pick up women. What are you talking about? <laughs> you just haven't you seen a Kevin Smith movie? What are you talking? You've seen plenty of Kevin Smith movies. I have. I have. Yeah, you list your faults and then you know. And they bring you lasagna. They bring yeah, you lasagna. It's a, grooming, it's a grooming technique of a certain type, you know. Oh, like I, I, I can make Silly. him. I can make him feel better about himself if I just make this lasagna for him. Every exactly. Day. Yeah. yeah. Thirty-seven dicks is what I say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> episode subtitle. Okay. Um, yeah. So. Then the boyfriend will show up to confront Rob and Rob is, and they, they, they play it like the boyfriend is a, well, that's the thing. When you say the boyfriend's a big dumb jock, Rob's an idiot sexual predator. 
And the boyfriend it might be a dumb jock, but he believes in, you know, good sportsmanship and respecting how his girlfriend feels, which is well, not anything you see in yeah. the, the regular men of the uh, show. So, so what we don't know going into this is that the girl, I wish I could remember her name. Let's call her Sarah. Sarah is uh, the character. Is that her character's name? I don't know. Carrie, but let's call her Sarah. Car- okay, let's call her Sarah. So Sarah um, had a boyfriend and she dumped him for Rob. Um, so the boyfriend just shows up one day to, I, you kind of get the sense early on that he's going to confront him because he's a big tough jock, but he really just wants to like congratulate him and wish him well in the relationship and hopes that he treats her well, which is very soft and sweet. And then he cries on Winnie's shoulder. It's kind of adorable, but also it's a big fake blubbery cry, whatever. It's a sitcom. Right. Um, But let me tell you this great story about John Lacey. So I don't know why I, I thought he would be the one to Google, but I just Googled him and he has been in a million things like one episode of a million things. And then he had a run on something. I don't remember. That's not important to the story. Um, in 2014, he was playing uh, in a local theater production of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof up in Santa Clarita, California. And he was fired from the show because the night before uh, they had a rather rowdy audience. I don't know how much you know about Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, but there's some uh, homoerotic undertones and um, the one particular group of people in the crowd got a little rowdy and used a homosexual slur toward one of the actors. Not John Lacey, but John Lacey was on stage and he hopped off the stage and got into a physical altercation with this gentleman and I don't know if they forced them out, but there were threats of further violence against the cast, against the theater, from this group of, of rowdy drunks casually using homosexual slurs. And the next day he goes in, he, I, I'm getting kind of one-sided because it's from a Hollywood Reporter article that interviewed him, but he said that the theater didn't do a good enough job kind of providing security, providing a safe environment. They let people in too early and plied them with drinks. And so it, it turned into this rowdy bunch and he ended up getting fired for his uh, stopping the show to, to get physical with these, these people. But I thought that is the type of guy I want to watch in anything that he does. And um, also he's a director of two feature films. I've never, heard I saw of them. I've never heard of them before, but I would seek those out. Um, so John Lacey, good guy, good dumb yep. jock, good guy. That's my story about John Lacey. Better than the bullies of this episode, because yeah. when Winnie tells Rob what she's done, Rob says, I'm fine with a brainwashed girlfriend. And it's not till she becomes too clingy and interferes with his relationship with his bros that he needs to get rid of her. Even though the entire school hates him and sister Allison Hannigan because they're going to lose the game now. And so it's just like, wow. Yeah. This is. Everybody hates him, but it's totally worth it for that big, dumb brainwashed girlfriend. She's not big. I'm sorry. That dumb brainwashed girlfriend. Um, You know who's big, though? 
Oprah. Oprah's big. I don't even remember. I don't even remember how that joke came up. That was so stupid. She says something like, "I'm just gonna go home and watch." It's the jock, I think. I think he goes, "I'm just gonna go home and watch Oprah." I guess, even though she's fatter, or no, he goes, "Is is it me or is she getting fat again?" And I was just like, "Wow, that's yeah. uh, wasn't was Oprah on? She wasn't on ABC." I don't remember. I I don't think so. I think it was CBS, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think it was syndicated for a while. So yeah, it's not like they were, I imagine that wouldn't have flown through uh, stuff. But yeah, so it's just like, and you talked about this episode before. So I was actually expecting um, the boys to be like peeping Toms. I didn't actually realize that Rob was going to graduate to full on non-consensual, knowing non-consensual relations possibly it's unclear how sexually active the teen is on this show but like he does you know the the limo thing is like no we're gonna go get a limo so we can have sex in it like oh yeah because they do make a crack like he's like you're not gonna find love in the back of a limo and then the dad says that and then he's like wait a minute let me rephrase that (laughs) i thought that was creepy and gross too parenting for mullet number one I'm glad I'm not a parent because that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know what I, my wrist strength. I think were they making fun of? I just have that written down. I don't know if they were making fun of girls for not having wrist strength, which is possible. Oh yeah, I do remember that okay. at the end. At the end, um, um. Somebody says, oh, oh, Dan Walker, the, the boyfriend, uh, the big dumb jock, tries to impress his girlfriend by saying, I I hit two butts with one towel. Yes, you know the that, towel. The towel thing. Yes. And uh, Winnie asks Rob, like, what, what does that mean? And he's like, oh, no, girls just don't have the wrist strength for it. So Winnie grabs a towel or manifests a towel with her magic powers and starts whipping him in the butt with it, which is also kind of weird yep it's a little weird also the wrist strength is an implication of because they're spanking it so much that uh, see i didn't get i wouldn't i didn't go there for it i can see that but my my notion was it was just a sexist comment about women just not being strong enough to snap somebody with a towel that's it is but it's because you know most women don't get to spank it like yeah some some do and they have better wrist strength like um yeah what else um i didn't have anything else on my end there there was one thing that was gene feeding people off the floor at one point like i think that was a throwaway thing oh yeah yes (laughs) he's taking home ec because he gets to to eat his homework at the which is better than what i thought he was gonna say yeah because yeah. I thought he was going to be like, so I can find girls and stalk them like yeah. we'll be doing it in two episodes. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do remember that now. And he drops yeah. a pancake on the floor or something and, and picks it up Feeds off the floor. Feeds it to dad, which is fine. Like, yeah. dad dad's got to come. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, are we ready to move on to... Yeah. So episode five is called Guess Who's Staying for Dinner? But you had a better name for it, I I thought. I already forgot what it was. Okay, I don't don't remember either. 
it was it, hilarious. It, it referenced the um, the plot line, which is a widow tries to seduce dad, and it's basically, you know, it's a, a parent trappy type thing where you've got the money or uh, what do you even call those gold diggers? Yeah. So you have, uh, and then it, it seems like she's not a gold digger that she just thinks dad's hot, but then it turns out she is actually a gold digger because he, the episode starts with him. Wow. There's some low IMDb scores on these episodes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the so, cast list and I'm just like, wow. So I've got a, I've got a little synopsis here. So okay. <clears throat> it starts with Gene recording his daily life on a giant camcorder for his friends back in New York. And you discover that uh, Thomas, the father is working on distributing the estate of a very wealthy client who's recently passed away. And the sexy young widow comes a courting. And I expected there to be jealousy between her and Winnie, but it turns into something kind of different. Um, So what are your top three things for this one? Um, cute dog. We can do that. Um, both sides ism and <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. So my third point is either going to be yay a Mr. Belvedere reference or, <laughs> or boobies. Because apparently, that's right, boobies do. It's another one of those, once you put boobies out in front of men, they can't hold it together. I mean, I Um, know that for sure. So those are my three and a half. So I've got um, kind of country life versus city life. I've got lip syncing. And I've got fingers. They bring back the fingers magic. I don't know if you noticed. I did not actually notice that. Oh, and I guess a finger, let's take fingers magic out and let's put um, truth soup. Truth soup. Truth soup. There's there's some stuff to discuss with truth soup. Yeah. Truth soup slash upscale. So, uh, yeah, uh, the video camera thing is, I mean, it's, it must have been sort of a, a trope by then because video cameras had been around long enough that it would just be a thing you, uh, a character gets a video camera and what wacky things are they going to do with it? Um, some Jesse doesn't really get to go on camera because nobody cares about, none of the, the friends back home care about Jesse, but Rob does one oh wait they do uh there is the implication gene films her changing so his friends can see that her um oh her boobies are coming in but that's not the boobies we'll be talking about um so yeah there's that so there's that like little pervert uh tween boy so with that though it's hilarious because he goes up the stairs and you don't see him but you hear him say uh didn't i tell you jesse was developing and then jesse in a in a robe with you know the towel on her head comes run chasing Jean down the stairs going you little pornographer I thought that was great I thought that was great little thirteen year old Jesse chasing him down the stairs calling him a pornographer so a little recognition that he's yes. being pervy 
It's good. Not something you're going to see on ABC in a few years. <laughs> um, but then there's also uh, Rob does a video where all I, I don't remember. My notes just sexual predator Rob. That's basically the only note for so Rob. The first, the first thing with Rob that I have is sort of the country life versus city life where Rob um, talks about, what does he say? Putting his street moves on these country girls. And of course, you and I and any viewers know that um, he's actually not having great success with the country girls. Um, but he, you know, he thinks he's smooth as silk, and he ain't. So um, I also like—I don't like—I also think it's interesting that he's kind of shitting on living in Connecticut. I mean, he's trying to impress his friends back in New York, right? But um, he lives in a giant house and he goes to a pretty nice school. I don't know. Screw him. That being said, I love living in the city, so I'm not going to complain. It's almost like they're a bunch of entitled little white shits, is, is what yeah. you're saying. Um, yeah. Um, but then the main plot is actually that this widow, um, played by Terry Austin, whose name seemed, she seemed familiar, but she guest starred on like every TV show. So I've seen her on something for sure. Um, she becomes suspicious of Winnie because she started as a housekeeper too. And that's how she got her man. And so she knows what Winnie's up to. And so she's pretty quickly able to turn um dad thomas against winnie or or make him suspicious of her like too quickly too too quickly quickly especially since he apparently does not want to hook up and she wants to hook up and he's like oblivious to that because that's what's funny is dad's being oblivious until the boobies come out um (laughs) but there's you know some who's the I think the both sides thing is Winnie and dad talking at some point where, oh, it's, um, so the, the widow runs a background check. Oh, the, the cute dog. Let's get that over with. So there's a dog that has the same name as the husband. And so whenever she oh, talks yeah. about the husband, the dog like goes, Rawr! and you're like, oh, well, I mean, it's a cute dog. Like, what are you going to do? Like, it's fine. Um, and it's some of the better. <laughs> It's, it's some of the better jokes. Um, but but then um, she runs a check on Winnie. And one of the things is that Winnie has never didn't vote in the last election. And dad's like, well, did you see who was running? And I was like, 1988. Uh, wasn't that Bush and... Was it Dukakis? Dukakis, yeah. And I'm like, so, oh yeah, Dukakis. Oh yeah, he wasn't a fucking piece of shit war criminal, but Bush was, uh, and we do that. So yeah, both sides, right? Like, it just brought back the memories of, you know, when sitcoms would acknowledge politics existed instead of not acknowledging they exist and just sort of being, you know, capitalistically progressive in that, like, we want everybody to be able to watch our show. But it, this was still in the age of you had to shit on both sides in order to appeal to the flyover states. So cool. 
cool thing. And it sets dad off on this thing where he's going to look into Winnie's background because it yeah. turns out he didn't do that. Yeah. When he so, her. so it also sets up this idea that maybe um, Mrs. Simpson, the widow Simpson is jealous of Winnie or she's trying to get Winnie, Winnie out of the way. Um, so, you know, you start questioning her intentions and of course, the simplest answer has got to be the right one that she wants Winnie out of the way. Cause she wants Thomas to herself. Now there's some other things that happen that kind of back up that notion. She tries to get rid of Jesse. Remember she tries to suggest Jesse yeah. go away to some private school and she starts naming places where there are great private schools and she settles on Switzerland or something. And Jesse's response I think is great is, uh, there's so much of this country I haven't seen yet. Yeah. But I just, I found it interesting that it sets up this idea that she's trying to marry Thomas and get rid of the kids, get rid of the housekeeper. When in actuality, in the end, that's not the case at all. I found it really odd that they did all of this work to set up this notion that is, the, again, the simplest thing, the easiest thing to extend your imagination to. And then it's totally not that. I thought that yeah. was really weird, but we can get to that, that the actual truth when we get to the true soup, which is also a very simple explanation, but not bolstered by all of this background. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's I, just... It's a long ass con. Like it makes no sense. It makes, it made no sense to me. Um, So this gets to the lip sync though. So Thomas decides he's going to call Winnie's references and Winnie needs to make it clear that nobody's coming into the kitchen. So dad is on one phone, maybe his office phone. Maybe that's got a different line back when there were house phones. No, he's upstairs in her bedroom because he was snooping in her bedroom and she came in and was like, dude, you want to call my references? Use this, you know, very clear office looking, you know, cheap office rotary dial phone up here okay. and call my references. So, but she answers the phone downstairs in the kitchen. Maybe it's a different phone that she has. I don't remember how that works. She manifests a switchboard. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, she puts on, so she's obviously Corinne is, is lip syncing to spoken word of some, you know, uh, seeming like country farm, older gentleman uh, who uses lots of folksy words. I thought that was so stupidly funny. Yep. I loved it so much because her, her face changed while she was Mm -hmm. talking and she had to keep moving her head kind of along with the dialogue and put in all this effort to make her voice change to sound like an older gentleman with a Southern accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was just hysterical. It was great, great physical comedy on her part. And she didn't yeah, quite, she didn't quite get the lip sync like 100%, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, that's one of the weird things about the show is, is it doesn't spotlight her as much as, it's a as it should, but also be as much as you think it would. Yeah. Like it really is a family sitcom where you know the mom slash housekeeper just happens to be a witch. Like, yeah, 
it does not come up as much as um, it's, it, it seems like it would now, but yeah. So she convinces him that um, she's a good employee. It's funny because it creates this backstory for Winnie that like she worked on a fucking ranch. Like, yeah, cool. She was a housekeeper um, in their house, I guess. I mean, they have houses yeah. too. I don't think she, I don't then, think I don't think she was supposed to be a farmhand. I think she was, <laughs> you know, a housekeeper. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, I mean, didn't you ever watch what was that Nickelodeon show about the ranch? Hey dude. Or whatever. Hey dude. Right? I mean, hey, I dude. watched it when I was like a baby. Don't be sexist. Like Women can be ranch hands too, dude. Like, I'm not being I'm not being sexist. I think the dialogue set up that she was a housekeeper in their house. Okay, well, (laughs) I don't I don't know what it would take to get us to do a podcast where we look at the scripts for Free Spirit. uh, (laughs) Yeah, I haven't uh, been I haven't been uh, typing out all of the dialogue. So uh, speaking of the dialogue, the, the Mr. Belvedere reference comes up because um, then we get back to the widow um, confronting Winnie about how she wants to get rid of her and get Thomas a housekeeper who looks like Mr. Belvedere. And I'm just like, wow, Mr. Belvedere references like it was already because I just remember on the sitcom Ned and Stacy, which I need to watch again. Um that was a whole subplot was that the guy loved Mr. Belvedere and everybody else is like, dude, Mr. Belvedere sucked. That show sucked. And I'm just like, was it? Yeah. I'm looking at your face. I know. I don't remember Mr. Belvedere sucking, but it's like. I watched, I watched it as a kid and I liked it. I mean, I know that I was a kid, but it has a, one of the all time great theme songs, whatever it does. Okay, so there's the Mr. Belvedere reference, and then um, so then they're going to have a date night, and Winnie's going to cook for them. And what does she cook for them? True soup. What's up? And that's when Terry Austin actually gets to be good. Is when she's like, "Oh man, you're so boring. I just want to hook up with you." So like, since you're the executor of the estate, I can get some money. Yeah, and dad's like i think you should leave and she's like god i can't wait to get out of here yeah yeah she she drops she drops her kind of snooty demeanor her her sort of upper class you have to be polite to people even if you're being and she just rips into him but her revelation the revelation i guess that thomas is having that she's just using him to get more money from the estate again goes counter to the entire plot <laughs> before that. So Which, much work she put in so to weird. get rid of his family just to, like yeah. she just was being shitty. To, but I mean, you know, that kind of makes sense. Like I'm sure, well, no, because her backstory is that she was a housekeeper who then, it, yeah, there's not a lot of, I'm not sure. Cause then Thomas says she's well-educated, but I mean, I guess she could have been, like a, a vassar educated person who then became a house sitter so she could gold dig. I mean, that's not impossible. Yeah. I'd watch that show. Like, I'd watch a, that show. Right. Like it's a true crime show. Yeah. Um, but then Thomas is going to eat some of the truth soup 
did you want to say we did we skipped over boobies which is just that oh yeah she, widow she, is wearing something low cut and thomas just can't handle the vavoom of and, it like, and, like wow well somebody spills something on her right wine does winnie spill wine on her or, or force her to spill yes. wine with her magic and yes. so she's something ooh. like that and so she takes off her top layer i don't know blazer a uh, sweater i don't know and then she reveals it's again it's not super revealing by today's standards but it's a low cut no sleeve silk blouse um and it's wet now ooh ooh titillating and it, isn't rob looking in from the other yes and rob's looking in from the kitchen they're like how's it going rob's like dad's doing great and it's just like yeah cuz rob doesn't know that they're trying to get rid of her like there's a cut scene where she like you know, does a stepmom seduction on Rob, probably. Um, <laughs> and he's for it all the way. Totally. 100%. Like, he's so, going to kill his dad and marry his stepmom. Like, that's so, how the show ends. Before we get on to Thomas having the true soup, the true soup thing is also a little bit rapey. Feeding I mean, some. I mean, it's not for the intention of seducing somebody, but it is sort of unwittingly giving somebody something that's going to change their behavior. Yes. Also, the other thing with it is Winnie can't use her magic to make that. It's a manual recipe that she needs help with. Right. I forgot about that, but you never actually see what it is. Right. But yeah, the kids need, or Jesse and Gene. Gene. I want to call him Egon. Jesse and Jean help have to help cook the soup, which is okay. So, are we ready to talk about the denouement of Truth Soup? Go for it. So, basically, Thomas, after the widow leaves in a huff, Thomas is in the kitchen eating Truth Soup, and Winnie comes in, and they have one of their oh, do they have a um romance arc going where thomas opines that maybe he doesn't need an upscale classy woman maybe he needs you know somebody somebody who's down to earth which is low class like which is yeah yeah somebody who's a little bit more down to earth and then what does winnie do she has some truth soup and tells him she's a witch yeah or does she even have this truth i don't she didn't have the truth soup she knows that what so this is coming to this actually, is maybe part two yeah this there's is another really- part there's another part so she knows that he's not going to remember anything the next day so she admits that she's a witch super cool but my question for the story that widow who just left is going to forget everything that happened is she going to come back trying to seduce thomas again we don't know you would assume we, you would assume that she would because she doesn't remember trashing him. Free Spirit does not have a very good show Bible. Like no. throwing Rob saying he's got no lovely love problems when that'll come up in the next one too. But um, yeah. And then, so yeah, she tells Thomas she's a witch and they share a kitchen sitcom moment and you know. It'll all be reset by next time. And then cue the music. Do, 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 do. Yeah. All right. So Halloween-y. Um, Halloween. 
I have a lot of good things to say about this. Let me give the synopsis first and then we can. Okay. okay. So there's a group of popular girls in the school called the Debs. Um, and Jesse is in the running to become a part of this group. And the group has to vote on the members. And she decides to have a Halloween party. And Winnie, despite hating Halloween, because it's a stereotype of witches, I'm sure. And there's a bunch of spookiness and dumb costumes and stuff. She just hates it. But Winnie says she's going to help. So um, in doing that, she comes up with a magic show because she's a witch. She can actually do magic to impress the Debs to get Jesse in, in the group. But it goes wrong because that's the nature of the show. And Jesse goes invisible for longer than desired and overhears why the Debs would actually want her as part of the group and what they actually think of her. Um, so my three things are costumes, Allison Hannigan, and um, um, the tender moments, the tender moments I want to talk about too. Okay. Um, so then I'm going to take ball sack. I'm going to take... That goes along with my costumes. <laughs> oh, okay. You're covering that in there too? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll take... Well, I'll still take that. Um, yeah. And then I'll take... Uh, okay, fine. I'll take... Um, is it... I'll change my ball sack to is it blackface? Um, stalking. Um, and then, uh, what what do we want to do? Braces, fat jokes, and vague transphobia? Like, I mean, (laughs) so we can sum up the final act. Um, so yes. And then guest stars, because we do need to talk about, um, a couple of the Debs are very, um, have gone on to become very, well, I think at the time they were just about to become recognizable guest stars. The one of them actually was way too good for free spirit um, given what she had been in. But um, so we'll do that. Too. Okay. So I want to start off by talking about Alice Nahan again. This is her first episode where she's sort of the main person. I mean, she gets more lines than even Winnie, I think. Um, and I had kind of crapped on her last time because she was kid acting but it worked really well with this episode. And I thought she shone in this. There was a lot of emotional up and down. And she did the weird miming thing with her dad when he was like doing the dance and she was invisible. So it was sort of like a, you know, Groucho, uh, Harpo sort of doing the same thing at the same time, which was really funny. Um, and you know, her tender moments were actual tender moments. And I, and I don't know if that's because she's a girl. And so it's expected that they have the tender moments and it's expected for her to cry and it's okay for all of this stuff to be happening. But I thought it was really good. And dad interacting with her, I thought was so great. I thought it was really good. I, I loved that. About well, and So let's, let's actually kind of get to that first then. So her conflict is that the Debs want her there because she's got a nice house for parties. And her 
they all think Rob is hot. And I'm like, you're not going to think he's hot when he's fucking molesting you next week, but okay. Um, I'll have to send you a Guardian article. We'll, we'll talk about that later. Comes, comes a fucking cult leader is where Rob ends up. Um, but her conversation with that is, is she brings up those points and she's like, but do I want to still be in the devs? And he's like talking to her about how she's got to think about, like think these things through, whether or not like you want to be friends with people who are like knowingly, you know, do that. And so I was actually surprised when she's like, all right, let, let's be a dab. And I mean, she backs out because they, they go a bridge to a couple bridges too far, but um, yeah, she has like an actual character arc, which. Yeah. And the dad, I loved the, the, the conversation they had when she was like, why can't you just make this better? Why can't you just click your fingers and make it better? And Thomas says, you know, I, I used to be able to do that. I used to be able to like kiss your boo-boo and make it go away. But now you're a grown up and or you're she's not a grown up, but now you're older and you have to logic this out yourself. Yeah. That was that and I mean the show hasn't if they've done like character arcs before, it has just been about like Egot Gene uh, playing sports or something, or um, Rob trying to rape somebody. So this was like the first time that it really was an actual, like, sincere growing pains moment. Not growing pains, the sitcom, but like growing up moment where you're finding out that you know, kind of sucks. Not <laughs> it sucks having to make decisions for yourself, right? Um, so yeah, that was cool. I like that. Um, but then, what were your other points? Costumes. Do you want Costumes. to be we'll yeah. lead into Halloween? Yes. So because it's Halloween, um, there are costume parties to attend, things happening. I don't remember what Allison Hannigan's costume was. but Vague princess. Okay. Like party princess, yeah. Winnie was dressed up like a magician, um, which was cute. Dad had two costumes. We'll talk about the ball sack. Or the giant turd, as they refer to it in the show, which ends up being, um, what does he call it? A dancing raisin, a California raisin, essentially. Which is where you're like, is this or is this not actually black? It seems kind of He doesn't actually have paint on his face. He's just he does wearing. He not have paint on his face, he's, but he is. He's wearing a costume that's supposed to be a raisin, but it's brown. Yeah. And, and raisins are purple. Well, a dark, dark purple, but and then he wears a not a, a yellow Donald Duck costume. <laughs> like they were scared of, you know, pissing off Disney, which is hilarious. Like this must have been on the table when you know ABC was getting bought out. They're like, you can finally use Donald Duck in free spirit or something. Yeah. You know, so, um, so what I loved about the costumes is that particularly Thomas, the father, isn't afraid to be silly. So whether it's a turd, whether it's a ball sack, whether it's a California raisin, he's not afraid to look silly. And uh, I just think there's not enough of that nowadays people wearing dumb costumes like silly silly costumes for his work party which i sort of missed i missed that initially i was like oh he's just dressing up for jesse's party because why the fuck wouldn't he hang out when his kid was having a party like 
Wouldn't that be okay? That's what you've got a housekeeper for, duh. Silly me. But no, then he's got a, a work party that he's going to, which yeah, it, he just this absurd costume. So it's kind of funny. Um Gene goes as a oh we'll, we'll get into stalking now because it, it naturally goes from Gene's kind of shitty dinosaur costume. I mean it's fine. Like it looked like a costume for like a six-year-old. Yeah. It's like a it was cute. It was cute costume, but he was like if he's 10. I don't know. Yeah, especially because they established like latex horror masks earlier Mm -hmm. that he then does a a little dinosaur costume. He wants Rob to take him trick-or-treating and Rob's like, no, I'm not going trick-or-treating. That's dumb. And Gene's like, but I made a list of all the cheerleaders' houses and all the girls in whatever club. And Rob's like, hell yeah, let's go. So Gene is being resourceful. He wants to go trick-or-treating. He knows how to get his brother involved. It's creepy and stalkery, but he knows what to do to get his bag of candy. Which he then, why does he have money at the end? Because people used to put money. You never got money? No. Yeah, I'd get like money on like like a quarter here, a quarter there, a penny sometimes. I mean, people really. I grew up in a poor place. This is Connecticut. I don't know who's giving out quarters in Shouldn't Connecticut. Giving out like full candy bars and like rolls, like what king the fuck? size Snickers, baby. That's what I'm right. expecting. So okay, I thought he, I thought that that meant he was selling candy, but okay. No. Um, so yeah, at the end of the episode, they're going to go over their haul, and um, it's a it's a tender brother moment where gene looks at his candy and his money and rob goes over the girl's phone numbers he got and he throws out the ones with braces or the ones that have put on weight because he's a piece of shit i had that written down and i forgot what it meant i had it written down like something like oh she's ballooned and it was like ew what a yep yep he uh, so uh speaking of <laughs> Speaking of dudes being pigs, let's back up to, uh, so Winnie's only like sort of subplot before she like is just in support of Allison Hannigan because Allison Hannigan gets turned invisible and they've got to like turn her back invisible. And it's, you know, that's like the mid episode thing. But before that, uh, she's just upset because, you know, Halloween's in and making fun of witches and dad says something like, if I ever see a good looking witch, I'll eat her broom. And like, there is no, like, it's just a, it's, I don't think there's any sexual connotation to it. But I'm just like, I haven't written down. And I'm just like, there's a very hard way to write that down. Like, how do you look at that? I notice good looking witch, I'll eat her broom. There's no real way to look at that and not be like, okay, that's. Next week's assignment, besides watching the episodes, is come up with some kind of sex act that's eating a witch's broom. Brooms do come back later because <laughs> yes. they're going to invisible fly uh, and, and really stretch the budget. And um, Thomas sees the brooms at the end of the episode. And, oh, my goodness, how could there be brooms? What that it's so... <sighs> yeah, yeah but, Winnie, Winnie, and uh, and Jesse come back in after having flown around. They turn themselves invisible. Their hair's all messed up, which I think is hilarious. Um, and yeah, Thomas leaves and sees their brooms. 
Um, I mean, I think we, we said earlier on that the Jesse and Winnie bonding was like one of the more the, the areas where the show actually had potential. And like, so it's cool that a Jesse episode pays off. Cause I mean, the show really kind of treats her like shit. She is the butt of the boys jokes most of the time. Yeah. Like that's all she's got to do is have Rob make fun of her or Gene film or changing or something. But, and, and this has been my favorite episode so far. I laughed a lot. Um, I thought Allison Hannigan was great. And maybe I just, I liked that the boys were kind of in the background after five episodes. Right. Yeah. This is the Dan Floric. Definitely. Oh, yeah. To. yeah. He was really good. Was okay. Really so the guest stars, we can't, we mm-hmm. can't miss the guest stars. Okay. So one of the guest stars who I recognized, but didn't know who it was is Jenny Lewis. Yeah. Who of course has a band now and was in the wizard and like is sort of was a trendy early aughts hipster type thing. Yeah. And this is actually the same year as the wizard. So I assume that means that yeah, aired in October. So she was a movie star doing, doing um, doing TV, but the real movie star doing TV is Maya Bruton who played in Parker Lewis can't lose is the Uh precocious little sister. But at this point, she would have been better known for adventures in babysitting. She's the Thor obsessed kid. Oh. And it's like, right. And it's like, that's right. Adventures in babysitting, despite being exceptionally popular with anyone between the ages of, I don't know, 10 and 17 did not like have much cachet in Hollywood, I guess, because she's not the lead girl. She's just like, She's got a couple of lines, but she's like definitely sub or not top tier dab. And then Jenny Lewis is the chief dab. And we find out that she picks all the clothes out and she determines what all the girls have to do. And so I, I mean, go ahead. I was going to say that is actually also mature that the friend ditches Jesse for the Debs. And they're like, I mean, we're going to still try to be friends. I hope we can do it. Like it is not, there's not a happy ending to this. Like Rob gets rid of his clingy girlfriend or whatever. Like it's, it's there's, there's, there's character work here is what I'm saying. So I've been a 13 year old girl and I don't remember. I know I do remember there was a, like a click of the popular girls. They didn't have a name. They didn't have special jackets that they wore. It's not, freaking grease you know the pink ladies or anything um but there were only like four of them um and i had a group of i i don't know like i i wouldn't call us outcasts or anything <laughs> but there were probably uh, at 13 how old was i like seventh or eighth grade there were probably like 15 of us i think i would much rather go with my group of friends who didn't all look identical who didn't all do their hair the same who didn't all wear the same clothes I just, I like, while I understand the social pressure, you know, like if you have a group of friends and you're 13, you don't necessarily want to be a part of the popular group because you see that they treat you like shit. 
<laughs> and they treat everybody else like shit and they treat each other like shit. And that's basically all they're doing. Yeah. Like when they say, what's, what are the Debs for? It is yeah. just being shitty. Yeah. Like, cause they're, they're still tweens basically. So they're not like after the boys yet. Yeah. You know, it's so. really just being mean and setting yourself up as better than everybody, even though everybody hates you <laughs> because you're a bad word because you're shitty because you're shitty um so yeah i was there was a movie called debs that was not about this it's not a free spiritsman off but that st- stood for something out that, that's in the I've, debs movie from 2004 that stood for discipline energy beauty and strength so but i assume it's that sounds way better than the devs group in this episode. I mean, I think this is just like debutante sh- shortened, right? Oh, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Because like, I was wondering, Chris is Jenny Lewis, the president for life of the devs. Why wasn't it called the Chris's? <laughs> Why was it called the devs? But that makes sense that it's short for debutantes. But then also, uh, when I Googled it, I, I was unaware of this. A school's deb. Debs, also called grad or grads, is a former ball for students in their final year of secondary school in the Republic of Ireland, analogous to the prom in North America or the school formal in Australia. Isn't it so? I mean, it's like this is a weird episode that other than the other than the pervy brothers, because Gene's enabling, you know. Gene's an accomplice to yeah, stalking. To creeping. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I thought the costumes were funny, but I thought that, I mean, Frank Luz, Frank Luz, Frank, Frank Luz is not a great comic actor. Like it's. No, but he killed it with timing. I mean, he was wearing that dumb duck costume, right? And he's yes. having he's having the tender moment with Jesse, and he's and he says something like, "Why would you take advice from a man in a duck costume?" And it was that he kind of like he kind of like forgot for a second that he was wearing the stupid costume. Yeah. He's like, "Oh God, I look like an idiot," even though I'm doing this. It was so I, funny. Yeah, I feel like that worked in his favor, but with the ball sack one. Like the real punchline for that is when they come out and one of the devs is like, I have a rabbit and that's what he's dressed as. Like, cause the joke is he's dressed as a rabbit turd. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I feel like, and I mean, that's rough because sitcom dadding isn't actually as easy as one would like. We only remember X amount of sitcom dads for actually being good. So it's not actually that easy. But um, yeah, he he does a lot better with the drama than he did with the comedy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the most successful episode. But again, oddly very little to showcase Winnie. Yeah. Like, even with the magic, I mean, like, yes, she's dressed as a magician, but she's dressed as a leggy magician. Like, leggy one. Leggy, leggy. I, t- I took a little snap and sent it to my husband. <laughs> I mean, there are no close-ups of her when she's in her magician's outfit. It's all long shots. Like, it's all legs. All you can see. So, but yeah, and I mean, like, and I was actually not paying enough attention at the beginning of the Jesse and dad scene. And I was like, how the fuck can he see her? And I was like, oh, because 
all of a sudden Winnie, who couldn't change her back into being fully visible because too many people are fucking around trying to do magic on Halloween and it clogs the magic pipes, which is part of the um, free spirit continuity here uh, or world building. Um, She just like teleports in fixes it and teleports out and i was like just in the nick of time just Just in the the nick of time time. (laughs) and i was like if you had this power you could do the all the other episodes would be different if you could just teleport around yeah and the other thing that they don't keep up with is rob makes a comment that no girl has ever dumped him and then we just watched his ass get dumped two episodes ago right like so but yes He's he's a sixteen year old braggadocious teenager, right? He's got to look cool at all costs. I, I so Paul Scherer, Paul Scherer runs a realty company in Indianapolis now, oh. and like I mean, his number's on the internet. I'm just like, could we call him up and ask him if he wants to do an interview? If he, how he felt about playing this guy, but like the fear is, he'd be like, that guy was fucking great. Like, the fear is that he'd just be like, what am I supposed to do? I was a teenager. I mean, how old was he? That's better. He was 20. I think he was like, in his early 20. That's better than if he was like, no, like I was cool. Like, I mean, the thing about the whole thing is that this isn't uncommon in 80s sitcoms. You no, see this. I mean, this is... You see this now, I'm sure. I mean, it's it's not something that I, I don't watch I don't watch sitcoms, so I have no idea. I, I feel like teen sitcoms now are all Disney Channel where they would never be this creepy because it would somebody would take notice. Fair right? enough. Like, Fair enough. But this is like nighttime 1989 sitcom where you know we talked about it last time. It was on the same night as just the ten of us, which is about, you know, 40-year-old men wanting to sleep with high school girls. Like <sighs> It's fucking creep. Like, so. And, and, you know, we're watching, um, uh, uh, this not a teen show, but we're watching Night Court. And it's, we're always like shock, look at each other, go back to watching at the jokes that they get away with on that. And that's not for teenagers, obviously. So it's more, but it's spooky. So we're what, 87, I think is where we are on, on night court. And it is shocking what people get away with. And that's NBC, right? Yeah. It's shocking. The jokes that they got away with the sexism, transphobia, homophobia to a certain extent. Yeah. Homophobia for sure. From Dan. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And just like poor Marky post, whatever your feelings are aside, just keeps getting way to put me on the spot. Just no. because she's terror, she gives a terrible, awful performance doesn't mean it's okay that her character is just there to be sexually harassed, molested, constantly, constantly. That's what her point on the show is. That is her role on that show, and to talk about how much she loves Princess Diana. Those are the two things she does. Whatever. That's it. It's are we gonna true. have a Are we gonna have a Night Court podcast? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of night court to go through. That's a lot of night court. Um, but yeah, so I guess it it is fairly typical of, of 80 sitcoms for this type of material to be going through. And so uh, contacting Paul Scher now, he might just be like, I mean, I didn't see what the problem was because I was seeing it on TV. I continued to see it on TV for a while. I mean. Until 2000 and. 
14 probably. I mean, I don't, I don't know. know. Like, I don't know. It's disappointing, but it's not, I, I don't think it would be, I don't think he would think anything of it. And especially now that he's not an actor, he'd be like, screw you. I don't care. And also this show is not in like wide distribution. Right. So it's not like it's a beloved former sitcom. It is, you know, the eighties are a fucking shit show. And yeah. I mean, <laughs> So there is that, but it is nice that they were able to turn. All right, let's, let's try to give you some some material. It is, like I said, it is very nice that they were able, that that they not just were able to sort of turn it around with Allison Hannigan, but that they, that they did, because it, it certainly seemed like they could, they, the potential was there from before, but this is the first time that we've really seen them do something with it yeah yeah and and i liked that it was that was heavy on allison hannigan i i thought she did great i thought she carried it i thought she did fantastic so yeah i mean her character's not one note and the boys are pretty one note like so so so's dad but (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and so is winnie unfortunately i mean she's quirky and she's funny and she's yes she's got the magical powers that sort of push the show forward push the narrative forward but i mean allison hannigan's really the only one that has that character arc when he's just a witch she's always been a witch this is just what she does yep so good for allison way to go anything else that's it that's all i have let's introduce this as a preview for next time, our titles for next time are Two for the Road, and I'll read the synopsis from IMDb. Okay. Dad buys a car for Winnie and Rob to share, but Winnie ends up hogging it. Prediction, buying clothes and getting her hair done. Because okay. she's a girl. Not with my sister, you don't. Wow. Okay. Hold on. I, I need to, I'm going to look at you while I read this so I can see your expression. While Jesse goes out with an older boy, Gene and Rob trick Winnie into taking them to an X-rated movie. <gasps> no, no way. It doesn't say that on Wikipedia. Does it? it on IMDb. Oh, okay. no. Oh, no. Followed by Love That Winnie. Winnie has fantasies of life being like it is on the Donna Reed show. However, she comes to the realization that life's not that chipper when Jean breaks her, his father's prized watch and she reluctantly agrees to fix it. Okay. That seems like um, an exaggeration of life not being chipper. Also that's WandaVision, but interesting. Okay. Uh, Okay. So that's next week. And thank you for listening. Thank you. Nope. Nobody could hear you jazz handing. You have Sorry. to say goodbye. Say goodbye. Goodbye.